Hey friends, this is Susan. I wanted to let you know of a couple of ways that you can connect with She Speaks Stories during the week. One is on our social media pages on Instagram and on Facebook at She Speaks Stories. Uh, We would love for you to come over and be a part of our community that is online. Also, if you go to our website at shespeakstories.com, that is our central hub for our story tribe. We have all kinds of info over there and a special place for you to share your story. So head on over to shespeakstories.com today and we can't wait to hear your story. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. We are so glad that you are with us today. This is Portia. And this is Katie. And um, Portia, before we even introduce our beautiful guest, can you tell me and our listeners what is happening in in Minneapolis? Absolutely. Right um, it is It is definitely a place of unrest right now in the wake of the murder of George Floyd on Monday, um, Memorial Day um, in yeah. the late evening. And something that I've been saying to people consistently, which I think is helpful, is for anyone to reach out to someone of color and just say, hey, how are you? How are you doing in this season? Is so helpful. I've had so many friends say to me, it's like, I don't even know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but saying something is the right heart posture. Saying okay. something and making your presence um, known to your friends, I think is so huge. And then the other thing, a lot of people are hurting and our hearts are heavy, mine included, but I am hopeful. I am so hopeful because I firmly believe that those of us who follow Jesus are poised to be agents of change, help, and support, and that when all the fires die down and when the protest dies down, I pray that it's the church who arrives on the scene first to help and support those that are doing the cleanup. I hope it's the church who will continue to empathize and speak up and be educated about the issues um, regarding race and in turn help others be educated because I believe it's the church that's going to lead the way of when you are hurt, how to forgive, how to heal and help others to do the same. And so it is crazy here, but there is a lot of hope. I know there is a lot of prayer. I know that there are a lot of people doing very practical things here on the ground. And so this is, this is a long road, not just for Minneapolis, but for our nation. For our nation. But this is worthwhile work. So I think I appreciate you asking Katie that that in and of itself is huge that you are asking and leaning in. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, so many hearts are just broken at, at all this but but I like your emphasis on hope because I'm like, okay, Lord, you do bring good yes. out of evil. Yes. You don't call evil good, mm-hmm. but you can bring a lot of good out of the evil that gets perpetrated in this world. And this could usher in a time of some real talks and yes. some real healing and... Yes. Right, Portia? Yes, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm hopeful for because okay. Jesus prayed and then Jesus went and did things. So let's keep praying, Amen. but then let's also take action through conversation and presence Amen. and tangible um, acts for our neighbors. So, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Oh, Portia, thank you for the word on, on that. And our, yeah, our hearts are with you and, and the nation as we go through this crazy time. Crazy time. Um, 
But let's switch gears and introduce our guest. Um, her name is Michelle Baxter, and she is gorgeous. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting her face-to-face a year ago, a year ago in May at one of our live events. Um, she grew up with dirt bikes, four-wheelers, and an innovative dad who loved adventure and a good side hustle. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what that's about. In her late teens, with her world shaken, she purposely reset the direction her life was moving. Pull up a chair and listen in to Michelle Baxter's story of chasing dreams and living out adventures. Oh my goodness, Michelle, welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Michelle. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. With your love well, we of dirt bikes and four-wheelers, <laughs> I, are you sure you're not from Texas? Uh, you know, it's funny. I would go there in a heartbeat. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear your story, and let's dive right into your childhood. Share some of the joys and some of the dirt biking and stuff. <laughs> Oh, I was the only girl of two boys, and I am a daddy's girl. So uh, that's probably where all the motorized vehicles came into play, and that has not left me, uh, except for the fact that I have a toddler. So we've dialed down the wrist a little bit, and then as soon as he's <laughs> old enough to play, we will bring all of that back. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up in a, a very loving Christian family. I was blessed to be engaged in church from a very young age. Um, really found my passion for Christ through youth group and loved all things adventure, still do. Um, so that, yes, was motorized vehicles with my family, but also whitewater rafting trips and skiing and anything adventure that we could do um, as a youth group, but then also as a family. And my dad was also very active in the youth group as well. So I was blessed to be raised in the church, to be raised in the word, um, to be raised with faith and, um, you know, just that having your eyes on a prize and knowing that there's more for life. And uh, because of that, I've always been determined to hit whatever goal I put in front of me. I love that. I love that. I love that. So you shared with Gwen, our, our story curator, that your life was shaken between your 18th and 19th year. What happened and what effect has that had on you? Yeah, well, I mean, shaking is kind of a relative term. So people have gone through so much more than I have. So I don't want to um, over-exaggerate what I went through. But I'll, I'll hit on I'll hit on it with a, a message that would apply to other people. You know, once you hit 18 and you're required to be independent, and that happens differently for everyone. Um, but for me, I, I moved out of my home. I had big decisions to make. And I kind of highlighted as those transitional years. It's when you go from just being in the school system and church and everything being easy because it's done for you to then having to do it on your own. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to exaggerate. It's not that I had like this horrible life or that, you know, um, the world fell apart. But in those transitional years, you have a lot of decisions to make. You have decisions about relationships that you're going to be in, um, friendships that you're going to entertain, things that you're going to do, where you invest your time, how are you going to earn money? Um, and so during those transitional years, it's a time to make or break everything that you've built up on your young adulthood. And so if you think about a child who's going to school, potentially in church with his family, um, his or her family, and then now they're required to be independent, how do you maintain all of those morals and values and still chase after what God has laid as a vision on your heart and still have to figure out where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay for life? Um, and so for me, 
some of the uh, hardships, so to say, was um, dealing with family changes. My parents had divorced, remarried, and things were different there. Um, and then when you're required to do things on your own, there's a lot more figuring it out to be done. And so I guess to other people, I encourage them. And just like I did myself, when you're in those transitional years, keep your eyes on the prize. Don't forget the foundation of your faith. Um, and if you don't have that, find it, because that's going to be very important Amen. to make sure that you're steering yourself in the correct direction through those years. And, you know, for me, that was 18 to 20 ish for other people like that could be in their 30s when they have that kind of like midlife. Well, I guess 40s, whenever you had like that midlife crisis <laughs> of kind of, of questioning, you know, where am I and where do I want to go? That is really what it was all about. Where am I today and where do I want to go? What am I control of changing? Um, and so a little bit more personally for me, having to move out of my, my dad's house, figure things out on my own. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll get into a little bit more of my st story on the purity side, but at the time, it was very easy to live with a boyfriend. And that did not align with the faith and the morals and the purity stance that I was called to live out. And so personally for me, I had to check and balance. If God had called me to lead a purity ministry at the time, living with a boyfriend wasn't really going to align with that, whether I was remaining absent or not, which I did um, until I was married. But that did not align with the vision that I wanted to teach to young girls. And so God kind of checked me and said, if this is where I'm calling you, you can't live, you know, it's the whole lukewarm, like you can't live in evil and then remain pure. And so I was challenged to basically shake everything up again and figure out a new normal so that I could go after that calling that God had put in front of me, which at that time in my life was to lead a purities ministry. How did that transpire? I know that might not be one of the questions, but I, I go after No, that's okay. I, I'm curious. No, I love it. Yeah, so from a very young age in youth ministry, purity is just a message that stood out to me. I found identity in the sense of remaining pure from a sexual standpoint, and I felt so called to it that it was one of those things that kept me up at night. It filled journals full of notes. It... Um, it shook me. It got me excited. It made me tear up when I envisioned where God was going to take me. So whenever that happens, as a little nugget to throw in there for listeners, when God is stirring you to the point of you're filling up notebooks with notes and you're shaken because of it and tears come to mind when you're thinking about it, there's something there. Absolutely. And so the Holy Spirit continued to bring it back. And, um, and I was a part of the True Love Waste movement when I was, that was a big thing when I was in the youth age, uh, teenage years. And it was more than just putting a purity ring on my finger. It was like to the core who I was. And so fast forward, when I went through that transitional phase and uh, defaulted to living with a boyfriend, God challenged me and said, I'm calling you to do a ministry. You're living essentially in sin by conflicting with what I've called you to do. And so I had to go through that reset button of figuring out how do I get back in alignment? So the short version of that story, um, God shifted and changed churches for me. He called me to a mega church in Virginia Beach. I started serving there on the media team, which that's a whole other story. I also have a video production background. And while there, I just kept losing sleep over the idea that I was not um, fulfilling this vision that God had given me to the point that when I would ask God now, let's say I'm like 24, 25 years old, and I'd be like, God, where is my husband? I am getting impatient. Like, I am faithful. <laughs> where is he? I am waiting and I'm not patiently waiting. And literally, uh, well, maybe I should say figuratively, like I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, if you do what I've called you to do, I will give you the desires of your heart. 
And I'm like, God, are you telling me that if I put on a purities conference, you're going to give me my husband? Because if that's what it takes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and that's, that's the message I heard. So for the entire next year of my life, I pulled out all of those journals. I prayed, I fasted, I held Bible studies. I pulled together women. I found their talents and their interests so that together we could marry all of the different gifts of the, you know, the spirit and, and do this together as a group. And we put in February, I think it was 2011, we hosted the first, the first Purity's Treasure Girls Conference. And it was focused on teaching purity from um, not a sense of separation of sin versus purity, but a sense of you can be pure because of the decision to change your behavior today. And we guided teenagers mm. through messages, through worship, through education on what it meant to live pure here forward. Not the scars of the past, but the grace of God purifying us and giving Amen. us a clean start. And from that, like, God is so faithful. I could tear up. I got the tissues ready. Um, (laughs) That No joke. That was in February, right around Valentine's Day. In June of the same year, I met my husband at church. And it was like, okay, God, I hear you. I got you. I got you. (laughs) Honey, I love the description of how God called you into ministry and put such an overriding passion on your heart for that subject and talk about a needed subject. I did use ministry years ago. Um, and when I first waded into it, that the actual youth pastor left the church and I was left in charge of all these kids and I had no clue what I was doing. I had never done youth ministry before. It was like my second month in youth ministry when off he goes. Oh, wow. And I did it, I felt like I was saying, talk about the real issues. So we did this whole series just called Issues. Oh my goodness. The sexual issues went on and on and on. And I had four teenagers of my own. So I knew some of this. It's not like I was shocked. I was just, shocked isn't the right word, but the depth of yeah. misery and misinformation and despair and brokenness in these young ki- boys and girls. Oh my goodness. It was an eye opener to me. So as you're saying that, my heart just leaps that God does put on different people's hearts, different callings and different ways to educate the body and and help with brokenness and in the restoring of purity. Um, yeah. You know, I think maybe in the whole hundred uh, teens I had, maybe a handful were virgins, but more than a handful ate to just be right with God and not have this, yeah. you know? So I yeah. love that other uh, restoring part. And okay, yeah. enough of that. Enough of that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to applaud that. Um, so you got married and that was fabulous. And then about five years later was when you, um, what did you feel God was saying to you at that time? So we might have kind of mixed up the story. The five years was from the transitional period until I did the conference. Oh, so, until you did the conference. Um, Sorry. Yeah. So, and that just goes to show you like, you know, God's timing. I don't believe God ever gives up on you. So a message that can come out of that is if a, if a listener is thinking about the thing that God has placed on their heart and is stirring with them, 
please don't think that just because five years have gone by that, oh, it's too late because it took five years from God to give me the, the full vision until I brought it to life. And yet the reward was still on the other side of waiting. And so while I would not, I wish I didn't wait five years to do it, right? I missed a lot of time with my husband in those years. Um, God's timing is perfect. And so, you know, I just think it's so important that we remind ourselves to slow down, to sit, to think, to pray and believe and let God open up whatever that vision is and then bring it to life. Um, you know, Portia made a statement when we were doing the opening and she said, Jesus prayed, but he acted. And it makes me think about faith without works is dead. If you can have faith and you can pray and you can believe and God can give you a vision and you can put it on your vision board, I point because mine's right here. And that's beautiful. But if it's never acted on, is anyone really changed? Is there any life, you know, transformed? Is there any movement made? And so that is something that those five years, I I can't say I just sat and waited, right? There was a lot of life in between those five years. But but the reward was on the other side of the action. And so that is something that, and that's been a reoccurring event in my life. If we transition, I think we're going to transition into where we are now, my husband and I, even in the business world, it's the same thing. I can have faith, I can believe, and I can pray. But if I don't act on all of these visions that God gives me, I'm not actually making any transformation. Absolutely. Amen. And not blessing the people he's called you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yes, he had, he, he, you feel rewarded after, you know, after you did that. But how many young teens did you? Yeah. And that's the, that is such an exciting right. reward. Like I made a difference, right? Not, yeah. not in your own strength. It's right. the Holy spirit through you, so, but submitting to him and right. saying, I want to be a channel. I want to be a conduit of your grace and mercy. And it's you that put this passion on my heart right. and you that's given me vision. Let me walk it out. And you're dead. Right. If we don't walk it out, right. Well, why it's is nice it, ideas? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. So let's trans let's transition into then you 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 marry you guys have a have a kid is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a little three year old, a big uh, three. Oh, I love that age. They're so adorable. Wait, a boy or a girl? It's a, a boy. Oh, yeah, right God knew boys. what he was doing, giving me a boy. <laughs> <laughs> A little, a little man to have adventures with. I yeah. love it. Um, but so then what, what did God call you into like as a family and how'd you transition and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So I was heavily involved in ministry in my younger years. After getting married, um, we started feeling this call to business. And so basically, if you think about kind of the transition, like I talked about before, once you're independent, money has to be a resource. Like as much as money can be many different things, it is a required resource nonetheless. And so <laughs> exactly. You have we, to um, live. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so my husband and I both had corporate jobs and we were both successful according to the world standards. And I do air quotes when I say that because who defines success is, you know, an interesting conversation in itself. But during our corporate career growth, um, we're at this time, let's say 30-ish, probably 28, 29, right around 30 And we both were feeling that stir that there had to be something more than just corporate life. So corporate was great, but it's time consuming. Um, It was great financially, but it was draining and lots of hours and energy. And you find yourself coming home and maybe, maybe other people feel this. Basically, we started having that stir for entrepreneurship. I wanted to be able to give financially and to fund my family and to fund 
others when God called me to give, that meant requiring a resource. I wanted to have time to invest and to raise my son as a full-time mom. That meant there had to be a resource. And so for us, this isn't for everyone, but for us, we were called to entrepreneurship. So we did the direct sales thing at the time, and we just felt like God was stirring us for something bigger. And it's funny, my dad and my, you know, you mentioned um, in, in your intro, my dad, uh, he had a job and he had a very stable job and his side hustle that you referenced was flipping vehicles. He loved, you know, if he wanted to get us toys, he would buy his favorite vehicle, he'd work on it, we would do it together in the garage, he'd sell it, and that would fund a toy. And so from a young age, I learned that you can have anything you want, you just may need to do something to get the results, right? Get the resources to get the results. And so for us, Fast forward, my dad always joked and said, you guys should just own a restaurant. And I'm like, I have no interest in food. I have no interest in cooking. Honestly, I would hire a chef if I could afford it. Like I just, that's not us. Well, it's amazing how humor works itself out. Now at let's say 28, 29, 30 years old, I don't remember what number. Um, my husband got introduced to a franchise business through a um, old classmate he knew from school. And from that introduction, fast forward, we now own a restaurant franchise. Wow. And at the time, I thought he was crazy. But, um, you know, we, I have, we have a little saying we go by of many, but one is pray, believe, move. And it's that same concept of Jesus prayed and then he acted. Pray, believe, move. We prayed about it. We believed on it. God kept opening doors, so we moved. And next thing you know, literally, we moved. We moved two hours away from Hampton Roads to the Northern Virginia area, which is where we are now. And we opened our first uh, quick-service seafood restaurant in Northern Virginia. And at first, I'm like, this is crazy. This has nothing to do with what I was called to do. Like, what does this have to do with video production and ministry and church growth? And I just heard God say, be still and know. And I said, fine, I will be still and know. So I loaded my vision board with all of the things that I wanted to come out of this. And basically what we, what we felt God was saying is this is going to be a financial resource and you will be used in the meantime. And then this will fuel something way bigger. So I don't have a lot of clarity on what that something bigger is, but I know that this is absolutely where he's called us. So our location in Northern Virginia became number one in the franchise out of 30 locations um, from the day it opened. And it still is. Um, we're actively opening our second right now. We're under construction in Manassas, Virginia with our second location. And through all of this, I feel so at peace. Like I know this is where we're supposed to be. And I think you're, um, one of the topics that you'll probably end up bringing up is what happens in the midst of a um, crisis in the world. With exactly. and you own a restaurant. Oh my goodness. I was going <laughs> to ask you that. Yeah. And so funny enough, like God has been so good. And I think, uh, you know, some people can hear our story and be like, Michelle, that's nice, but I can't just go open a franchise. So let me dial this down to where I think it can apply to the masses. Whatever God calls you to do, be faithful in that and he will reward you. So in the midst of a crisis, you could panic. You could think we're going to have to shut down the business or you could be still and know that God is God. You could have faith. You could pray. You could believe. And then you take action. And that is what we've done. That's been a message of my whole entire life. So the second I heard that other states were having to shut down their restaurants, I said, that's fine. We can be a to-go restaurant. So I created an entire operational plan. And this is a whole other subject because I'm a business person. I created a whole operational plan of how do we execute business as a no-touch, curbside, to-go only business. And I had that plan in place long before the governor in Virginia ever made any executive orders. And so basically what I say there is pray, believe, move, but also like use discernment, use your talent, 
and let God give you direction to make decisions in the meantime. So we were ready when Virginia made the order to make uh, restaurants to go only. All I had to do is flip the switch and put the plan in place because I had already done the work and created the plan. Oh, I mean, it's like what I'm hearing is, you know how um, you've heard the statement of pray like it all depends on God and work as if it all depends on you. That's not in the Bible, listeners, but it's still it's a good (laughs) adage of the strength and the ingenuity and the openness, because every good and perfect gift comes from God is from him. But there's still an onus on us. And then there are sometimes there are things um, where I'm learning that there are things where the Lord's like, I have to do this in you. You keep trying to will it to happen and I have to do it. And then there are other times when I hear heard clearly from the Lord, this is my desire for you, but you have to get up and act and you have to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, I love, I love that. It's a, it's a tension to manage. It really is. Because sometimes you have to be still and let God. And sometimes God's like, I'm with you. Go. <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's time to move. And, and I did yeah. like that you said, like with your, your ministry in younger years, it took you five years, uh, but yeah. you did it. It, it wasn't, and I really, I, part of me doesn't think that's disobedience. Part of me thinks there were some things in you that God needed to work yeah. out yeah. before that whole conference was going to come together. Right. And, and maybe, Absolutely. maybe key players that were part of your conference wouldn't have been in place if you had done it five years or eight, you know, so, and I, I guess I'm just saying that, um, to listeners, like pay attention, open your eyes. God is at work. He does want you to join in what, in what he is doing. And he will stir up your passion and give you vision, pray, open your eyes. But then when he says, Mm -hmm. move, you move. I like it, it, what is it? Pray, move. No, pray, believe, believe move. move. Pray, believe, move. Yep. Love that. I, I love, love that. that. And, yeah, and name, let me let me elaborate. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the name of your beautiful restaurant is the Shrimp Shack. Shrimp Shack, correct? Yes, it technically has a K, so it's Scrimp Shack. But yes. <laughs> oh <laughs> I my love that. goodness! I'm so sorry. I Where I know. No, that's fine. Where is the first location? In Northern Virginia? So we are in Dumfries, Virginia, which is it's technically on the border of Woodbridge, but the address is Dumfries, Virginia, off of Route 1. And the second one is in Manassas and Sudley Manor area. So it's S-K-R-I-M-P. Scrimp Yes. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. I don't get credit. I just, I just run mine. It's a franchise. Yeah, it's a franchise, <laughs> but still, I love it. That's so good. Yeah. So the, the piece that I wanted to elaborate on in that believe section I think belief to me is the absence of fear. And if you think of what most people have as a limiting factor in all things they're called to do is fear. So the reason it's pray, believe, move is that if you don't believe in God telling you this is for you and in your ability to do it because God is empowering you, you're just going to be stuck. So a lot of people pray, get stuck and never move. And that's why it's all about pray, believe, move. Because belief to me, as I said, is the absence of fear. There is very little, and I know this comes more natural to me. So for other people listening, this might be something that you're like, hey, I hear you. I need to work on that. And that's fine. Put some focus on it. But for me, there's, there has been a natural absence of fear just because potentially I grew up with guys, maybe because of the toys and adventure. Who knows? Like fear was just never a strong 
a part of my personality, but for others, that is a huge hang up. And so a lot of the times I find myself needing to coach people just through how to be, um, less fearful and have more confidence and belief in themselves. And that wraps back to all these messages, the purity message. You need to have belief in yourself that you can be pure, that you can remain in in confidence, that you can make decisions for yourself. And by the way, just to throw it out there for listeners, purity is way beyond sexual abstinence when beyond marriage. Um, it could be purity from outside substances as an adult, like, you know, drugs or alcohol. It could be um, things like gambling or any other negative thing that God has called you away from. Just to be clear, like purity is a message for all people. Um, but even now in the business world, there are a lot of business owners who, when COVID hit the world, it just sends them up with fear. And all of a sudden, what do I do? What do I do? And that absence of fear and the belief in your ability plus God backing your ability is what's going to push you through those things faster. So just to kind of elaborate, that's why it's pray, believe. Honey, I love that. I love that. It's making me think of, um, I heard Francis Chan talk a little bit on this one time and he said he was kind of defining the fear that holds us back from doing what we think God is doing because he said oftentimes we feel like it's God we think it's God but the fear is what if I heard him wrong what if this isn't him what if it's just me dreaming this up what if I do it and fail? Won't God be, you know, mad that I wasted his resources? And so that fear, um, the fear of looking foolish and failing, he said that can hold people back. And he said, he, he quoted the verse um, that said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he said, truly, the reverse is true also. With faith, it is impossible to displease God. And his point was, if you sincerely have prayed and you sincerely believe God is calling you to do something, go do it. If it fails, and I like that you referenced um, success with air quotes around it because that is a whole nother subject. Um, He said, if you go do something and in your opinion, it failed... That doesn't mean God wasn't calling you to do it. Right. That doesn't mean he didn't bring something that he wanted accomplished through it. Right. And, he, and he gave an example. He had started this huge, I don't know, some kind of outreach ministry in some small town. And they were going to do this and that. And they spent all this money and, and, you know, the church's money and all this time and resources. And they went and did it. And it, air quote, failed. <laughs> and at first he was so grieved like lord did i miss you did i mishear you did i did we do something wrong blah 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 and this is when god gave him that message so clearly you're pleasing to me son you moved mm-hmm. out on what you firmly believed you leave the results to me so i i absolutely love what you're saying Pray, believe, move, but don't tie your hopes to the outcome that you think has to happen in order for God to have blessed it. You just pray, move, I mean, believe and move. And um, it does that line up with what you're thinking, Michelle, or am I? Yeah, absolutely. 
No, you're right on. And I have some examples of that. When I did the Purity's Treasure Ministry, obviously my vision was this big extravagant thing. Well, you have to start somewhere, okay? And this is another message that I like to coach people on. Some people get this vision and they think, well, I can't afford an arena that fits 10,000 people. Girl, you'd be lucky if God even gave you 10,000 people this early in the game. Like, start (laughs) small. And so... Yeah, so I always tell people, start on the cheaper or the free side and on the small side and then scale up from there. So <laughs> when I did the purity ministry, I found the home church I grew up in. Let me use the entire campus at no cost. I found girlfriends of mine who God had been calling to use their talents. And together we married our talents together so that I didn't have to invest in like a worship leader or a, um, a cute dance crew or uh, donations to give away, all of those things God brought together. Now, another part is you talked about the measurement of the results and the fact that we as humans try to label, was this a success or a failure? And that is another part of fear to me. I think that that's like a devil thing is to try to label on whether it was success or, success or failure. When I did that conference, yes, there were many things I could have done bigger and better should I have had the resources. But at the end of the day, I walked away and said I was faithful and I did what I was called to do. And I stopped any fear. And this is something else that comes natural to me. So maybe if it doesn't for a listener work on this, there has to be a hard stop in your mental wavelength that says that is not of God. And so I would have these thoughts like, well, you didn't fill the auditorium that they gave you for free. Stop. God told God made whoever showed up was meant to be there or, Oh, well, the worship didn't, you know, you didn't have a full altar call. Stop. I am. Who am I to label what full is? And so at the end of the day, you don't always have this feeling or this measurement of what you may define as success. And I limit and, and, and stop in the tracks, all of those thoughts. And to this day, it has warmed my heart. And this is definitely one that could bring me to tears. Every once in a while, I'll get a message from one of the girls that was at that conference oh, man, this one can get me. And they'll tell me what that conference did to them, even though it was, I mean, at this point, that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, is that true? Okay, man, I don't know, 10, 15, I can't do math that fast. I don't know how old I <laughs> let's, say, let's say it was 10 years ago. And now I'm getting every once in a while a message from a girl who at that point was 11, 12, 13 years old, yes. and they tell me what that meant to them. And then God says, see who defines success? Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. That is such a liberating message. That is such a liberating message because um, I remember going to early on when I felt like God was calling me to speak and teach. I went to this um, conference anyway, and my roommate, she said, I want to be a woman of faith speaker. Remember, remember, I don't even know if they have women of faith. When you mentioned an auditorium with, you know, 10,000 women, I'm like, Okay. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and I knew what God was telling me. You go back to your church and you teach whoever I bring to you. Right. And yes. I said, Lord, if it's one person. Right. And um, through the years, like our toppers ministry, which is, you know, 55 and over, um, they would ask me to speak. And I would say, Lord, I am going to put as much time, energy, effort into teaching this as I would to a huge women's conference because yes. these are your people and this is who you assign me. And truthfully, this little podcast would not even be working if 
Susan and I had let the fear of what other podcasters are doing and how big their audiences are and how much money, you know, um, we had no clue, but we knew we had prayed. We believed God was calling us to it and we moved out and we're the results like in his hands. That doesn't mean we don't keep refining, learning, trying to improve, trying to get better. We have our part, Mm -hmm. our responsibility, Mm -hmm. Um, but to not let that fear. And truthfully, I almost let the fear stop me from being part of this because my fear was like, Lord, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm really not with the times. I don't know technology. I didn't even know what a podcast was. I'm kind of (laughs) old. I'm not that, you know, and all the reasons. And God is like, just obey. And I have been so greatly blessed. So greatly blessed. I can't even imagine my life if I had let fear rob me. So, and I'm looking at you and your beautiful smile and your successful restaurants. If you stop you, what would your life, you know, what would your life be? So, oh, what a message. Yeah, I love that. It just echoes the themes that we see throughout scripture of, um, I think of David when Samuel went to Jesse's house and he said, I don't see how man sees. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. In the same way, if you just look at Jesus' ministry, okay, obviously his ministry was successful because of the lives that have been impacted. But in the time that he was there and he came and was arrested and crucified, what? That's not what people had planned. That's not what people were calling a success, right? But there are multiple millions upon millions of people that have been been impacted by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So even our Savior, we can't go by what man thinks is successful, but we have to to look at, okay, and trust that God's plans are higher than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. And so Mm -hmm. what it looks like, what it sounds like might be different than what we we thought, but it's going to be oh so much better. It's going to be so good because what he does far exceeds what we can ask, think, dream, or even imagine. Um, So I just... Man, God is good. And I love, I love when we get to hear stories, Michelle, that demonstrate God's faithfulness. Not that God does things the exact same way all the time, but I do think we can look at his, his character and his nature of how he works through his people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's And so learn well from one another. He says, encourage one another, yeah. teach one another, pray for one another, you know, um, bear one another's burdens. Your story, oh my, I mean, it's inspired me today. To keep being faithful, I'm trying to write this book and I have all kinds of fear and I have all kinds of notions in my head like, who wants another book for crying out loud? Who's going to read about my stupid life? But that's fear. And and it's like, just believe that he's called you to do it, Katie. And don't worry about the outcome. Just day by day, sit down and do it. Move out. And so, but hearing you, today has inspired me to keep thinking that way and keep pressing on and doing what he's called just to do and leave the results in his hands you know (laughs) Uh uh-oh did we lose connectivity nope i think we're still connected so i'll i'll share my a verse that's kind of stuck with me since a young age and i think it continues translating um so 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, 
but be an example to all believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. So that message has stuck with me from a very young age because this was a fire that was lit in me before I thought age, you know, would be a limiter. And I think that translates, you even mentioned that age was a factor of fear in writing a book. I think that verse is unlimited when it talks about age. Don't let the number or any other title put on you, race, gender, age, background, whatever limiting factor you're trying to label, remove those labels and be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. And it has just been a prayer that no matter what I'm seeking out, if I'm doing full-time ministry, if I'm running a business, if I'm creating employment opportunities for employees, because technically that's a ministry right there, um, whatever it is that God has called me to do, let me do it to the best of my ability without limiting factors of labels so that I can be an example to other people. And that has just been a message that stuck with me. And I'll probably carry that verse when I'm way into my older years and reread it to say, don't let people think different of you because you're old. Like exactly. no matter what label it is. Um, and so that's, that's just been an underlying theme for me. That's kept me motivated that people are watching. I'm still called to be an example, do it to the best of my ability. So oh, good. honey, that is good. That is such a beautiful verse. Say it one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So it's first Timothy four twelve. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but set an example for all believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. That's powerful. That is light drop. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I know. our our last question is always if you would wanna leave us with one thing, what would it be? And and you can ask but that first whoa, that yeah. was powerful. But what would you uh, add? Yeah, I will actually say one more. I will add one more thing. So, you know, another example, kind of going back to what I said before, if people look at my life and they recap of, well, I'm not called to lead a ministry. I'm not called to open a restaurant. Whatever it is for you, I challenge you to take some time. I do this to myself. Quiet time, no cell phone, no distraction, no toddler. Um, and allow yourself to think. And think in tunnels that just lead. I, I envision it kind of like this never-ending hamster trail. And wait until God stirs you to the point that you need a tissue because your eyes are watering. Then you know that your heart is being stirred. And when you find that place, continue to dig and digging and digging and let God bring clarity to whatever that is, because there's something there that you're supposed to execute. And then, then I envision it like this room full of doors. And there's all these doors of opportunity that you could go and open and you can get caught up in, well, which one am I supposed to be doing? And then fear creeps in. What if I choose the wrong door? What if I go to open it and it's locked? What if I get through door one and door two is closed? And then I say, go back to God, pray, ask for clarity, dig down deep into your heart stirs and your eyes sparkle, and then go through that door. And this is when my philosophy in life is run at the door as if it's already open. And if God slams it in your face, that's probably not the right one. (laughs) Reroute your direction. (laughs) But so far... Every time I've prayed and every time I've put that faith in the lack of fear and the belief into place, and I've executed the path towards the door, God opens the right one. So I have a binder full, no joke, of businesses that I could go open tomorrow because I have the vision, but none of those have come to life. And the ones that are supposed to come to life are the one that God keeps opening the door for. And timing is not in our hands. Um, my restaurant in Manassas, I've been working on that project. I don't even want to say it's probably been all, over a year and a half. It should not take that long to get into construction. 
But little did I know that God knew that COVID was coming and he wanted to make sure that I didn't have a brand new restaurant in the midst of a crisis. So remember that God's knowledge is way beyond yours. Chase after the door that you're called for. Let God open the right one and trust his timing. Because that right there has been the saving grace to lead us to where we are today. Oh, honey, that is beautiful. That is just, just beautiful. What a, what a good story <laughs> and stories change lives listeners yeah. for sure yeah, absolutely. what would you comment i would just say i i think there's so much power in in hearing god's faithfulness and knowing that god will be faithful as you continue to pursue him and that as we're pursuing him it's not even about the thing the thing is like an after it's like an afterthought. Yeah. It's it's him, and and to walk with him, run with him, sit with him is such an adventure. And so, I think that's the thing that I love about your story, Michelle, is that you're demonstrating what an adventure that it can be with God. But you know, even even in the greatest adventure, there are the the times when you're like, "What is happening? God's still there." God's still faithful and the key to just keep going. And yes, you might need to regroup. You might need to sit and listen and pray. Um, But that doesn't, just because something difficult happens, doesn't mean that you heard God wrong. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. And um, please don't be confused. My story has had lots of speed bumps. Like obviously you paint the highlight reel on a podcast. We could spend hours going through the days that I've cried at my desk, looking at numbers or getting frustrated at employees or, you know, everything has the other side of the story. So please don't think, you know, listeners that I'm excluded from those burdens. Of course, of course. But the hope and the joy and the Mm -hmm. faithfulness, Mm -hmm. if, if you had no burdens, if there was never any, any roadblocks, what, I mean, what the heck do you need faith for? You, Absolutely. You, you just sail away and yes. everything is just great. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those, those speed bumps, those frustrating days are what drive us back to our knees, back to our dependence. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love, thank you for sharing your adventure with us, Michelle. And My there's, pleasure. Just, thank there's, you still, there's so much more to come because it is Based on what you've shared with us today, everything that God has brought into your hands, you've turned around and used it for something else. And you're like, okay, God, what am I learning about you? What am I learning about your character? What am I learning about your nature? That you are, you, you're holding it so open and loosely in your hands so that he can use it for somebody else. And I just, I love that. Absolutely, I love that. Yeah. I love the way you said you want to stir in other people, how they can you know, pray and believe and move. And um, I'd love to chat with you at some point about your vision boards and stuff like that. We will be chatting, Michelle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> as soon as this state opens up, we are going to have lunch. Um, Portia, you need to fly in. I'll fly in. And, <laughs> <laughs> Portia's in Minneapolis. Oh, well, you know that. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I didn't know that you were actually physically there. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm there. Yeah, she lives in Minneapolis, but I'm right down the road from in Fredericksburg here. Michelle. Yes, I know. I've had my eye on you. <laughs> I love that. I, I love it. I can't wait to meet you in person and um, get to chat more. Now, if our listeners want to follow you, um, how would they do that? So I am on most social media platforms, um, Facebook, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. Um and then if they want any of my contact information, they can get that as well. Okay. Sounds good. And um, we'll put all that in the show notes, right, Portia? Yeah. Do we have those show notes up and running? 
They're in process. Okay, good. <laughs> Listeners, um, for inspiration, I'm sure you're going to want to follow Michelle because Absolutely. I'm inspired and I want to follow her. But honey, thank you so much for taking the time and the energy and the vulnerability to share your story and your wisdom with us. We Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. And Katie, I just wanted to say, um, before we jump off real quick, Katie, I wanted to say thank you. Um, you have been going through a lot. I've been watching. I've been praying. And thank you so much for being faithful to what God's called you to do, even when the entire world feels like it's attacking you. <laughs> you, you are more than welcome. And as your story highlighted, the blessing comes back to us, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, just remaining faithful. And then you're, you're so blessed and almost shocked when someone thanks you because you're like, you kidding me? I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting way more out of this than I would ever give to anybody else. But that's, mm-hmm. that's God's economy, isn't it? Yeah. The more you, the more you give out of a heart that's filled with him, the more you receive back such. Oh, yes. He's oh. so faithful to refill and to overflowing. Yeah. So I, I yeah. love that. I love and that. And I am, I just love that you love this podcast, Michelle, seriously. Um, listeners, Michelle is one of our donors, <laughs> one of our very first ones. I'm just bragging on that, Michelle, because um, you're investing. You're investing in a kingdom work and um, we appreciate that so much. So we love you. We could go on and on. We I could know, talk right? to you all afternoon, but, um, but we'll... We'll sign off. Yes. We, we love you all. And Michelle, thanks again, honey. We love Thank everybody. You. Take care. Bye. Bye, ladies. Bye.